Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church today. Let's begin by praying. Heavenly Father, we love you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. We ask that you help us to love more and better. We ask also, Father, for us to respond to your grace and your love in our lives. We ask this morning, Father, that the Holy Spirit would help us to concentrate on your word as we're reading and it's being spoken this morning. We do also, Father, pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering in any different way. We uh, don't always know all the people are going through, but we also do know that there's a lot of stuff going on in this. You know it, and we just ask you this morning um, to do what we know you want to do, which is to take care of them in the best possible way. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand and sing our congregation song. All right, good morning again, everybody. Um, you guys are doing great with making sure you get your coffee and stuff before the music starts. When the music starts, it's time to take your seat. All right, missions. Pastor Kingsley is headed to South Africa in September, September 9th through 27th. Please keep him in your prayers for much success in evangelizing there. If you would like to provide financial support, and of course, that's always welcome on a missionary trip in particular, um, please just indicate that in your giving. We like to send things to the right place, and we'll only know that if you indicate that you would like to have this go to Pastor Kingsley. Um, also, I wanted to explain this morning, many of you know this, but in case you don't, that we have a, a prayer request um, form, if you call it that. Um, it's on, on our first page of our website, and I got the big red arrow. So it's basically you find the lighthouse, and you go to the right, and then you go down to the fourth picture, and you hit that, and then you enter your prayer request. I will tell you that um, every Thursday I check that before we have prayer meeting. So it is used. It is timely, hopefully. Um, we want to pray for what you want to pray for when we're together on Thursday evening. So please make use of that. Um, I'm sure there are things you want us to pray for and know there are. There are always things that I want us to pray for. So let us know. And the way to do that simplest way is to get on our website and click that prayer request button. All right. The title of today's message is, He Who Loves Me Will Be Loved by My Father. Words spoken by Jesus Christ in that upper room with his disciples the night before he's going to the cross. I'd like you to turn now to the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 18. Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 18. By the way, we have a, a bookmarks. Do we have bookmarks up here? I think we do. Oh, yeah, there they are right there. So if you want to use one and save a little time on Sunday and just put it to where we are, then be, by all means, take a bookmark. Okay. All right, John 14, starting in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. 
after a little while meant after he dies and is buried, the world would no longer see him again. The world of unbelievers see him. But the disciples will see him. And because he lives, that's his resurrection life, remember, you will live also. And not only at the resurrection, at the rapture, but every day. Because we already have eternal life the moment we believe in Christ. Verse 20, in that day. And that day began when the Holy Spirit first indwelt believers at Pentecost. That day continues all the way through to the rapture. Um, and that, that's a period we call the church age. In that day you will know that I, the Lord, the Son of God, am in my Father. And you'll know it. And you're in me, the Lord says. And you'll know it. And I'm in you. And you'll know that too. And we went to passages in the, in the epistles that bring that out. The baptism by the Holy Spirit who enters us in a permanent union with Christ the moment we believe in Christ. And then I in you, that amazing indwelling, not only of the Holy Spirit now, but also of Christ, which is the hope of glory. It's an indication that glory awaits us one day. All right, verse 21 this morning. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him. I will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? He was surprised at this point because he understood, and it's true, that Jesus is the Messiah and that, his, that he came in order to reveal who he is. And yet now, Jesus is saying, no longer. Now I'm going to disclose myself to you, to the disciples, to the believers only. Why? Right? He asked that question. And as is, and is often the case, Jesus answers it in a way that was, it is surprising. He didn't really explain exactly why it is that he's going to disclose himself to the disciples, the believers, but not to the world. And yet he did. He did it in a way that, that changed, hopefully, their focus, hopefully changes ours, into the manner in which he's going to disclose himself. Okay? It will no longer be by his physical appearing to people. It'll be a new way. Okay. 23, Jesus answered, and he said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our abode with him. He who does not love me, that's the world, as we'll see, does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. I want to point out at the very beginning uh, two things. One is this amazing unity that begins and ends this passage here. What do I mean by that? Well, if you look at verse 20, it's an amazing description of a unity that is new to the disciples, and it is a marvelous thing, and it's only the church age. Notice, you will know that I am in my Father. There's that unity between the Father and the Son. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And then he goes on, and you will know, and you will know that you are in me. Okay, so then there's that amazing unity where we are in him and he is in us. I, there, there's no way in which somebody can be closer than to be actually in somebody, right? And there's a unity, a permanent unity between us and the Lord Jesus Christ and I in you. So that's the first description of unity in this passage. 
And, and all the way throughout, he talks about his father and reminds him them of him. The father shows up three times in this section. But then the second time, he describes it in another way. Notice what he says, verse 23. If anyone loves me, and that's what we're going to focus on, what he means by that, by the way, this morning. He will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. There's that second description of unity, and it's a little different here. The first one is describing a fact that always will be true, and that is that Jesus is always the Son of God. He will always, we will always be in union with him, and he will be in us. This second one is a little different, and this is where we're going to understand what, what kind of love, as it were, he's talking about. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. I hope you can see that that's an ongoing, daily situation, right? Keeping his word. It's not a one-time identity fact. It is a day-by-day thing. And then my father will love him in the same way. Now, you might say at this point, well, you know what? I know the father loves me. As a matter of fact, he loves the world. Does he not? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. And he, we already know that he loves believers in a special way. But this is another form of love. And now, rather than it being an identity love, right, because of who we are, it's a participation love. It's a love that, that is fluent and follows us and we participate in. And same thing with him. That there's a way in which there's this love. It's a life-affirming love that is an ongoing thing. My father will love him in that way. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. Okay, so that, so that we'll see that word abode, abide. It comes up several times from here forward. It actually came up once already. Jesus talked about abiding in his father. We're going to see what that's about. And, but you can anticipate that it's about not a, not a positional thing, not the fact that, that he's in us forever, which is true, but there's another way in which he's with us, having to do with our daily lives. Okay. Verse 24. He who does not love me at all, all right, does not keep my words. Period. Ever. And the word which you hear is not mine. There's that other unity again, but the fathers who sent me. You know, if we step back for a moment and think about the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17, all right? The upper room discourse, teaching by Jesus Christ to his disciples in chapters 13 through 16. Chapter 17 is this amazing prayer Jesus talking to his father about his disciples and by extension all believers. As it were, he's going to, he wraps everything up in an amazing way when he prays to his father, as you might expect. I haven't said this in a while, but I very much encourage you to keep reading the Gospel of John, and in particular, to keep reading these five chapters. Okay, so that you can see what we're going to look at a little bit this morning. The fact that the whole thing is a supreme work of art. Okay? And like any great artwork, you know, an artwork that's great is majestic, no matter how you look at it. Okay? In other words, you can take in the whole picture at once, and it's amazing. But then you can move in closer, and you can examine even the fine brushwork of a piece of art. 
Well, it's the same thing with John chapter 13 through 17. And lately, we've been examining that brushwork, so to speak. What do I mean by that? Well, we have been studying, we've been zooming in and studying a single verse at a time, looking at it from many angles, comparing Scripture with Scripture to get a better understanding of that verse. Today, we're going to go about this in a little different way. We're going to step back and we're going to take in more of a wide sweep of this work of art. In other words, how do things work together? How does it look like in total? Okay. When that happens, we're going to take in, and, and that understanding will allow us to come back and see, as it were, the verses we're on with new eyes. Okay. That's the objective anyway. Now, you might say, why today? Why is it that we've been studying verse by verse in a very focused way on one verse at a time, and yet today it's time for us to step back? Well, there is a practical reason for this, and, it, and it's the fact that we are on verse 21 today, okay? And the, the, the fact that we need to step back and look at a wider suite is occasioned by this passage, all right? It's the next verse, and let's read it together. I will read it to you. John fourteen twenty one. he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And I will disclose myself to him. Now, now, here's the thing. If you, like some people do, go to one verse and sort of make a teaching out of it, I'm going to understand this, right, in and of itself. If you try that, particularly in this verse, if you try to zoom and make sense out of it with this one verse in isolation, it would be quite difficult for us. Why? Well, if you just look at the verse for a moment, you notice a couple of things, right? He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Well, every believer loves Jesus in some way, all right? And keeping his commandments, every believer has kept at least one because he says, this is my Father's commandment, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. And so by definition, every believer has at least obeyed one commandment that the Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ gives in this book, gave to his disciples, and by extension, all of us. Then he goes on, he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And then you can look at that and say, so only, only people who love him and keep his commandments will be loved by his Father? Does that mean that everybody who doesn't keep all his commandments isn't loved by his Father? Of course not. So, and that's sometimes the way we think of things. You know, we think of things in absolutes. Like you either you keep all of them or you don't keep any, right? And as a matter of fact, the, the law was like that, Right? There were statements in the Bible that say, he who does not keep all of the law, and is, and, and except for one thing, is guilty of the whole law. So there's that concept in Jewish thinking of that, but Jesus is not talking about that here. For one thing, he's talking about love. All right? Love was really um, not a day-by-day element in keeping the law. All right. Certainly, and again, the big picture, we are love, they were, and we are, love God with all our mind, heart, soul, and strength. But in terms of keeping every piece of the law, it is a, a law is a matter of legality. Or obviously, it means here, you do this, and it's okay. You don't do this, and you're going to get punished for it. That's not at all in, in view here. Okay? The, wor- the word commandment in the English is an unfortunate translation, really. It really is. I mean, it's basically saying the things that Jesus is asking us to do. Telling us to do, yes, but also asking us to do. Okay. 
he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. So if you read this in isolation, you might come to the wrong conclusion. You might think to yourself that he is saying that essentially there are two kinds of Christians or disciples, that there are those who keep his commandments and love him, and it is our love by the Father and love by him. So that's one group of Christians. And then there's all the other Christians who fall short in that area, and the Father doesn't love them, and he doesn't, they don't love, they don't, he doesn't disclose themselves to them. So we have to step back and say, well, would that kind of interpretation make sense in view of the big picture of the Gospel of John? And the answer is no, it wouldn't. So we're going to have to walk through that and see, because the only way really to make sense of this statement, to understand it, is to see it as it contributes to that overall sweep of the picture that our Lord Jesus is painting. That's how. And so we're going to do some of that this morning. Okay. What do I mean by that? What do I mean that how it contributes to the overall sweep of this picture in John 13 to 17? that the Lord is painting. Let me show you. Let's read chapter chapter 14, verse 21 again. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Now let me ask you something. Have we seen that already in chapter 14 of the Gospel of John? Well, sure, we have seen that already. In In verse 15, I think it's 15... 15, right? Those words, yeah. So we've already seen that. So in that sense, it's not new. right? He, he, and we saw, as a matter of fact, that that was sort of an equation. Remember that, that when it comes to loving Jesus Christ, love and obedience go together. Remember that? And they're self-reinforcing. I don't know if you remember that, but we love and obey. The, uh, the obeying him causes us to love him more and so forth. So there's certainly a way in which some people can love him more than others. Some believers can. But not in, not in any uh, event does that mean that there's two categories of believers. But the first part of verse 21, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, is repeated. It's repeated from verse 15, again here in verse 21. Okay? But it adds some new things. It adds some new things. You see... Jesus comes back. He circles back to something he said. And he says it again. And then he adds something to it. And we certainly see that here in the second half of verse 21. He who loves me will be loved by my Father. So now you have this love and obedience between Jesus and us. We obey. That's that's an indication that we love. And then the very fact that we're obeying causes us to love him more. And that's between us and Jesus. What's new? There's somebody who is brought into the picture now. Yeah, the Father. He comes in now. And it says, now these people who are loving me and obeying me will be loved by my Father. And again, it doesn't mean that those who don't do that are not loved by the Father at all. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will never perish. Well, in that same way, of course, that very verse, John three sixteen, really does at one point separate, right? There are those who believe and those who don't. But, of course, that separation isn't among Christians at all, is it? It's between 
those who believe and in our age Christians and those who don't, unbelievers. All right. So he's adding here. He's saying, I have, I have a great message to share with you. I've already started it in verse 15, talking about that relationship between love and obedience. And now I'm adding to it, Jesus is saying. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And by the way, that's new also. Right, so far, it's been our love and obedience. But now we see that as part of this picture, Jesus enters into this love himself and loves us in return. All right, and you might say, well, does that mean the only way he loves us is in return for our obedience? Well, no, right? I mean, anybody should be able to answer that. No, he loved us before we were born. He loved us when we were his enemies. But this is a different way of loving. It has to be. And we'll see that because of the bigger picture here. And I will disclose myself to him. Now, he's already talked about and will talk about this matter of disclosure. And it's always, other than here perhaps, it's usually in connection with the Holy Spirit, which he's already introduced. Okay. But the point here is that he's making a statement. He has this message to share about love. And the way he's going to go about it is similar to how an artist would paint a picture. And this is what I mean. I mean, the artist typically, not today, people just throw art on a canvas and then turn around and have a drink and then they take another color and throw it. Or gosh, only knows what some of this modern art is all about. But I'm not talking about that. Right? I'm talking about like a, like a, a real piece of art. What, what, what would happen would be the artist would sketch it first. Just the broad outline. Then he, then he or she would come back and add in certain things certain colors, certain objects, and so forth. And then you come back, or come back around and add some more and perhaps maybe change some things, which Jesus doesn't do. But, so, but that's how he goes about this subject of love in this upper room discourse. He makes a statement, and then he does move on to other subjects. After all, that was in verse 15, and then he's said some amazing things that we've looked at, particularly about the Holy Spirit, Right? And he comes back and, as it were, adds some new brushstrokes to this subject. So that's his method. That's how he develops his teaching here. And you have to ask yourself, why would he do that? Why would he do that? I mean, I'll tell you why. It comports with how we typically learn things. We don't, we don't typically get a fire hose in our face of every possible thing about something. Can you imagine if you took a class, let's say, in economics, and in the very first day, the teacher just sends you everything that he knows about, about economics in every possible way. You'd be like, I'm out of here. I can't absorb all of that. Well, it's, it's a similar thing here. We may be very familiar ourselves with John 13 through 17. Ha. We think we are anyway. But remember, it's all new to the disciples. A new commandment he's given to them. And so, so in the same way that we learn things a little at a time, and then we go back and we build on what we've already learned to understand and learn some more, that's how he's teaching here. By the way, this is absolutely maddening for the so-called great theologians, you know, the ones who would rather Jesus just writes a chapter on love and then move on, Right? Well, that's not the way he does it in this case. I'll tell you, one of the reasons is because this is a living subject. It's not just something that you analyze and move forward. It's something he's asking us to enter into and understand how it works. Okay? And that's, that's, so he chose to teach this way because of that. So we have this teaching 
on love and obedience to begin with. Love, and now we've already seen, it comes back to it here in verse 21. Well, I want to step back, or I want to look at a wider sweep of this this morning, all right? And it turns out that there are eight passages in progression here, all right? We're going to look at, I don't, know, I don't think we're going to look at all of them, okay? Because I only want the ones that are most directly related to what he said in verse 15, all right? That if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So we're going to look at them all. And we're going to look at them as a, as a progression. And we're going to look at them as, as Jesus introducing something and then adding something the next time and then adding something else after that. Okay? So that by the end, we get, hopefully get the whole picture. And by the way, we're going to see that where he ends is where he began, but with all those things added in, in our understanding. And then, and then in John chapter 17, we're going to see how he lays it out in a fantastic way. Okay, but again, I want to emphasize this today, that when he talks about love here, he's not talking about an identity thing. He's talking about an ongoing, deepening, intimate relationship. Ongoing, a deepening one, right? We love him more. We talked about that before. As we obey him, we love him more. It's a deepening. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody who loves him more is in a different category of Christians than somebody who loves him less. No. It just means that there's a, de- there's a development as you enter into this, as you continue to learn more about him and put into practice what he says. You develop that love for him more and more, right? I mean, I don't know. Today, when, when we were singing that, that song together, it's a, it's a wonderful song, by the way. I mean, we're going to listen to that and sing it, okay, some more. But that was the whole point. You know, that, that we, we, as we learn more about him, we love him more. You know, and, and that song came from Philippians chapter 3, where Paul, after 20 years of being a Christian, is saying, I, sh- I still want to come to know him. And, and that's another example of this ongoing, deepening, intimate relationship, developing more and more. By the way, we know that it does develop. For one, one for example would be that the very end of the Gospel of John, uh, the very last chapter, chapter 21, he's talking to Peter, right? Now, Peter learned by example. And a lot of times he learned by making a total, totally st- stupid or dumb decision, right? Or a cowardly one, right? And then what happens? Well, then Jesus comes back on the scene and he says, okay, now that you've failed... Now I want you to be there for your brothers, right, with a little more humility and a lot more love for me. And he, at the very end of chapter 21, he's saying, listen, Peter, do you love me more than the others? He would put it that way. And, of course, Peter, being the bold guy he was, of course I do, right? But the point there is that there is a, there is a status in which some people love him more than others. He would have said, he said to the, to the Pharisees and the woman caught in adultery, he says, she loves more because she's forgiven more. All right, so there is a there is a a, a a deepening of love. All right, there's a degree, okay. But we're all in the same. We're not in a different category. There aren't the ones who love him and the ones who don't among believers. Okay, that there are those who love him and don't love him in the world. Because again, what's the de- what's the dividing line here? Believer and unbeliever, and that's important to see too. Okay, let's separate out what he's saying as the, what's the true of the unbeliever and what's true of the believer, and let's focus on what's true of the believer. 
unless you're not a believer this morning, in which case you need to hear the gospel and believe it, huh? that Jesus Christ died for you too. That your sins, have, 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 he went to the cross and bore your sins there. And then he was raised from the dead for you. So that whoever believes, if you believe in Jesus Christ from what you've heard today, it's all you need to hear. You're a sinner. Jesus is your Savior. He died and was raised from the dead. You believe that, and now you've joined the family. Okay. Not, no, not works. Not keeping the law. Right? But honoring how the Father wants us to honor him, which is the, here's my son. This is what he's done for you. Please believe. You, know, you jump over from one category to the other, but that's it. It's not as if you come in and then now there's people like siphoning and not siphoning, but separating believers. You know, we talked about that a little last week. There's a there's people who think that there's a second blessing for some and not everybody, and that being filled with the Spirit is that second blessing. And now we have super believers and then regular ones. There's no such thing, you know. But one thing, Jesus is going to talk about unity, chapter seventeen. The unity that we're all one in Christ, right? And that can't be if there's the super believers up here and the regular believers down there, right? Unless, that, unless they're not in union with us and they're just in some super union with Jesus. But that's not at all what the Bible says. Okay. So let's begin now. Let's go back actually to chapter 13. And we're going to look at verses 34 and 35. Love here is an ongoing, deepening, intimate relationship between members of the family. Members of the family. Okay. John 13, verse 34. By the way, isn't it true that, that, there's, a, that there's a love, for example, that a father has pretty much automatically, hopefully, for a child? And that's kind of built into being a father and a mother, Right? But isn't it also true that as we go along in life and families, that there's a, that there's a hopefully a deepening as you, as you get to know, understand more about your child, their strong points, their weak points, their failures, their successes, the pain that they go through that you can relate to. Right? There should be a deepening of that love. We may experience something similar with friendship. Right? Friendship. So you like you meet somebody and you kick, and you hit it off and you say, We got some things in common, let's be friends. And so that's the identity part. But then there's that deepening of the hopefully that relationship. Now, of course, as with two human beings, it may or may not happen. But when it comes to Jesus Christ and his body, it always happens to some extent. Not equal, okay, but to some extent. All right, John thirteen, verse thirty four. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So this is his first statement in the upper room, really, about love. Now remember, he has just finished showing the example of that love, okay, illustrating it with something he did. Namely, to serve by washing the feet of the disciples. And, and that's an act of service that serves to deepen love, hopefully. Right? I mean, certainly that's a great expression of love. I mean, anybody in your life who, who, who loves you so much that they wash your feet, and they're not a nurse that's paid to do it, right? there's something very intimate about that. 
There's something humble about that. And, and that's something that we develop. We, we, don't, we don't become born again in the next minute where these great servers, right? We learn, we develop, and that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, this is new, all right? I want you to love one another in a very new way. I mean, that's what new means, right? And it's the way I've loved you. And he showed that love through three and a half years of being with them. He's going to show it to the max when he goes to the cross. Even if I, as I have loved you, you also one another. Love one another. Serve. Be sacrificial. And that's how all men will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. It's really important. If we want the world to understand who Jesus Christ is, we first need to learn to love one another. Again, a lot of people think you come out of the box as a new believer and then you just go and evangelize. And certainly you can, but you have to understand that your capacity, the, 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 the capacity to express the gospel grows. And one of the most powerful ways it grows is, is in the family. As we learn how to love one another and we understand how, what that love of Jesus is all about and we start to say, I get it now. And that's what I'm communicating when I communicate the gospel, that God so loved them. All right. So this is a new kind of love. And he says, this is the same love with which I, Jesus, have loved you. And that's a totally new thing. Let's move on. Let's go to chapter 14 now, verse 15. I mentioned it. Let's look at it. And what I want you to look at is what's added. What is added to the picture? The picture Love one another as I have loved you. Now look at, let's look at verse 15 of chapter 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What's new here? Well, what's new is when he, the first time we see love, he's talking about one another, right? Loving for one another, right? As he's loved us. Here, he tells his disciples what it means to love him. That's new. And he says, it's keep my commandments. That's new. Although he did give one commandment, we just saw it, which is what? Love one another, right? Now he's saying, there's, I want you to keep those, and that's an expression of love. And again, this is telling how to love him, okay? Okay, let's keep going. Look at John chapter 14, verse 21. John 14, and this is our passage this morning, isn't it? But now in light of, he's described the kind of love, it's a new commandment has to do with an ongoing relationship, a deepening. And he's saying, the way, the way you love me in this way is to keep my commandments. Okay? And that's an ongoing thing. We, we're participating in our obedience. And we don't, it's not like an all or nothing thing, is it? Have you ever been able to love in an all or nothing way? Have you ever been able to keep his commandments in an all or nothing way? Of course not. Well, well we should... This is why we should, we should understand what he means here by love in terms of that ongoing, deepening relationship. Again, John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Now again, that's so far nothing different from what he said, right? In verse 15. But then he adds to it once again. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. In that way, 
right? In this ongoing deepening relationship. And I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. There's new things here. He's added some things, right? First of all, he has added the fact that that he who loves Jesus will be loved by his father. That's new. So we have the def- we see love as loving as he's loved, serving. We see now that obedience coming into the picture, our obedience to what he is saying, what he is commanding us to do. And then that's going on, and then now all of a sudden the father comes in the picture, and that's new. And he's, he's saying, listen, not only do you have a relationship with one another, not only do you have a relationship with me, you also have an ongoing deepening, hopefully, relationship with my father. And, he, and now that's the, kind, that's the kind of love that's being talked about here. And that's, that's different. All right. All right. He who loves Jesus will be loved by his father. Not only, though, there's something else here, isn't there? He who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. Now, I hope you can see that there's new things. He's talking about love. He's talking about obedience. And now he's adding things. He's added his father into the picture. And, the, and, and how that this love relationship includes his father. And then he says something else really new. For the first time, he talks about Jesus loving them. But again, he's already loved them. I mean, he's going to the, he went to the cross 2,000 years ago for you. That's that, he loved you in a most amazing way. So this has got to be connected to the new kind of love. It's an ongoing, deepening relationship. How does he express that love that he's going to have for us? Not compl- Remember, when I ask a question, <laughs> it's not complicated. By disclosing them. Right, right. And hasn't he disclosed things to us in an incredible way? I mean, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, in the Gospels for sure. But remember, he talks about the fact that I'm going to really be able to disclose myself to you once the Holy Spirit indwells you. And the Holy Spirit is going to indwell the writers of the New Testament too. And so there's going to be a disclosure there. And it's Christ disclosing himself to us in new ways. We, we saw that last week. We saw the description of the fact that, that we're in union with him. Forever. We saw the description of the fact that he dwells in us forever. And there's so many other things that he discloses to us in, in the epistles, as, as well as in, in other places. I mean, certainly the Gospels, certainly the book of Acts. But it continues. That disclosure is for believers only. He's not disclosing him that way to the unbeliever, to the world, is he? After all, he said, in a little while, the world will no longer see me at all. And Philip picked up on that and says, why is it that now you're going to disclose yourself to us and not the world? And the answer is, is because the world isn't part of the family yet. And there's, a, there's an intimate, ongoing love and obedience for you, love and disclosure from me. And that's for the family only. That's for the, what we call the church. So Jesus has already said he loves his disciples, but here the love is a development, a deepening, a family thing. Let's continue. Let's go. We're going we're gonna to skip verse 22 for a moment. Okay. I mean, that's, the, that's where Philip asks that question, and we'll get, we'll get to that. Okay. But the next time Jesus talks about love and adds to it is in verse 23 of chapter 14. 
Jesus answered and, he, and said to him, Philip, I mean to, no, to Judas. He answers Judas and he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and will come to him. We will come to him and make our abode with him. Now, is there, is there something here about loving Jesus and keeping his commandments? Yes. But there's a different word here, isn't there? What's, what's here? Word. Okay. The word word is more all-encompassing than commandment, right? Keeping his word means all the things that he's communicated to us, that we keep them, we hold them dear. Yes, we have the commandments that we also obey him, but the word is more than that. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the word. And he says, he'll keep my word. In other words, what he's saying here is expanding. This is what's added. He's going from his commandments to his word. And that's a more all-encompassing thing, the word of God. All right. That's one thing that he adds to. But on top of that, he adds yet another thing. And that is that both he and his father will come to this person and make their abode with him. That's new. In the context of this love. He's already talked about the fact that, that, that we will be in him. The baptism by the Holy Spirit. He will be in us. The indwe- his indwelling. Okay, but now he's adding to it. Right? And he's saying my father will love him. And we will come to him. We're together coming to him. Making our abode with him. And that's different. You know, you know for one thing. He doesn't talk about the indwelling of the father. Okay? He doesn't. All right? Some people want to find that in certain verses, and that's okay, I guess. But he doesn't say that here. No, he talks about something different. He says, we'll come to them and make our abode with them. That's different than the indwelling. So both he and his father, so now notice the development. Okay? He's talking about the word generally. Okay? That's all what God wants to communicate to us. And now he's talking about the father loving and then coming and making, they're going to come together and they're going to make our abode, their abode with us. By the way, that is an amazing, remarkable thing when you think about it. We're going to look at what that word means in just a minute. And the reason we're going to look at it is because it comes again. John fifteen ten. Jesus has already said, if you, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me. And he said that I will love you. My, he says, I will love you. But now notice there's something new here. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Okay? Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. What he's saying here is that we now have the illustration, the most excellent one of what he's talking about. Because he's saying this is the same way in which I have kept my father's commandments while I've been here on earth and I've abided in his love on a day in and day out basis. Okay, And the same thing is, is true for us. When we 
keep his commandments, keep his word. We abide in his love in the same way that he has kept his father, father's commandments and abide in the father's love. So here, Jesus introduces another topic. He touched on it, but now he introduces it concerning us. And it's the topic of abiding. Abiding. What does he mean by that? And what's the difference between indwelling and abiding? A lot of people want to make that the same thing, but it can't be. Okay, because here we've already seen that there's a keeping of the commandments associated with this abiding. And there's, that is not associated with the indwelling, is it? Do we have to keep his commandments for him to indwell us? No. Do we have to keep his commandments to be baptized by the Spirit? No. But here, yes, this abiding, okay, and again, throw out the whole idea of the, of the commandments being the law. Okay, the, the one he's talked about is loving one another as I have loved you. And now, so, so this abiding has to do with that kind of love. And what that word abiding, we're going to see more of this. Because today we're taking a broad view of things. We're obviously going to have to go back and look at things in, in, the, in the brush stroke, as it were. But the word basically means to remain. And even, even better is, the, is to make one's home there. To make, some, make your home there. Okay, now we already know that we have a home in heaven, right? And that's not in view here. Because we're gonna, God's going to do that. We're going to be raptured, and then we're going to go to that home and be there forever. No, this is here. This is here on earth, okay? We are going to have a relationship called abiding. Again, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See, this abiding has to do with deciding to make somebody's, make your home somewhere. And here, it's deciding to make your home in the love of Christ. And that's a day in and day out thing. You know, and, and really, he's talking about the, our, our souls, our mind, our heart. Where is that? Where is it living? When we first become believers, if we're honest with ourselves, our heart is very much still in the world. It really is. Okay? Not totally. We've already been introduced to the love of God. Okay? But then there's a, there, there's a, a way in which every day of our lives, hopefully, as, we, as our minds are renewed, our minds being transformed by the word of God, that we, as it were, spend more time in the love of God that we, make, we really, truly do make it our home. That's what he's talking about here. To remain in that relationship such that it now becomes your very home. Okay. This is an ongoing thing. This is a life-enhancing relationship. It's in time. It's on earth. Okay. One more. One more. I'll give you a moment to write that down, those of you who are taking notes. Okay. As we turn to John 15, 12. See, I like to, I like to take care of the note takers, because that's a good thing to do, by the way. Still, I know we've, we've advanced, and now we have, you know, digital this and digital that, and you can go back. And, uh, yes, I understand. But hearing it and writing it down is a, is a, is a skill and it's a concentrating skill, and it's a good thing to do. Okay. 
All right, one more. John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Isn't that where we started in chapter 13? Isn't it exactly what he said in chapter 13? Yes. So far. So he's going back to the, as it were, if you think about it, as the very first sketch that he talked about love. And he talked about loving one another. And his, his example as, look at how I've loved you. That's how you don't love one another. But then he comes back and he adds the de- definition, the picture, the, the richness of what he's really talking about, the deepening relationship that he means when he says, love one another as I have loved you. And that's in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Isn't that what Jesus is about to do? Certainly, right? He showed the greatest love of all. Again, I say this, but with apologies to Whitney Houston. That song is about as far away from the greatest love of all as you can possibly have. Okay? Not learning to love yourself. It's loving Jesus so much that you're willing to lay down your life for the brethren. All right. As a matter of fact, Jesus said earlier on that, you know what, you should, you, you should hate your life. You keep it to life eternal. All right, that's another stuff. This isn't, this isn't a teaching on Whitney Houston. Okay? But, but it is a point that there's, that there's a lot of things in your head from the world that you kind of have to have erased and replaced. Right? This is a great example of that. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his very life for his friends. Now, he's already said... In chapter 13, that we are to love one another as he has loved us. But now he's describing, as it were, the depths of that love. The depths of it. And it is about as deep as you can get in terms of loving somebody is to die for them. So, so this love goes way beyond, you know, uh, holding the door for somebody or writing a letter to somebody. Those things are good. But I want to I just hammer home the point that this has to do with a love that gets deeper and more in, intimate uh, as, as you go along in this whole, as it were, family relationship, right, of learning how to be obedient to the commands of Jesus and understanding how, how the, that the Father enters into that love and, and understanding that that there's a way in which they come to live with us and abide with us. And then, and then as that process continues, okay, we're moving closer, if I could put it that way, to, to a love so deep that you're willing to lay down your life for your friends. Okay. That's the depth of that love. And that shows us that this is a love that deepens. Because again, Look, if we're being honest with ourselves, okay, when we, in our, in our Christian walk, you know, when we first believe in Jesus Christ, all right, about the last thing on our minds is that we're going to have to die, right? As a matter of fact, it's a celebration of life, a celebration of new life in Christ, and that's great. But over time, there's a deepening, a maturing of an understanding of what that love really is, right? That's why Paul said, I may come to know him. And he, and he said, the, in the power of his resurrection, but then he goes, being conformed to his death. 
That's a deepening thing. It's it's not something you just wake up with two weeks after you believe in Christ. It's not. It's a deepening of a relationship. The word of God, the obedience to that word, experiencing the love of Christ in your daily living, loving him more as you're obedient to him, you're, you're laying down your life for your friends, for the brothers and sisters, you know, and that laying down one's life, there's also a deepening to that. Right? I mean, first, you know, we, we talked about the fact that it's using, have, giving your time to others. And that certainly is a, a, a level of this kind of love, right? Sacrificial. Then maybe it's not just time, okay? But maybe it's, it's um, going and doing things on behalf of others. Maybe it's, it's saying, you know what? I'm going to put aside what my desires are for the next year. And focus on a calling that God has for me with the brothers and the sisters. Maybe for some people, it's coming to an awareness that God has called you to be a missionary. And that certainly is laying down one's life for the brethren. And that's deeper than perhaps what we would like to keep it as, you know, we want to keep it contained. But it's not containable. There's a deepening of the love. When we love like this, what happens? This isn't a trick question. Yeah. We're friends of who? Jesus Christ. You are my friends if you do that. Basically what he's saying is, is when we love like that, then he looks at that and he says, man, we're friends in the deepest possible way. Meaning that we're one in how we think about just about everything. You know, he, we, we've, we've abided, we've remained in his love. His word has abided, has remained in us. And as that, now we've become, been turned into by, this, by life experience, by the Holy Spirit, by the word, into the kind of person that Jesus can take a look at and say, that's my friend, not because of anything good about us, but because we have entered into this love ex- relationship, the word of God, and now we've become people who are really willing to lay down our lives for the brethren. And he says, when you're there, I'm going to call you my friend. Okay. You know, a lot of people want to throw that around, by the way. You know, <laughs> there's, there's, like, there's like people that, that there's, there's songs for that. And it's this idea that, woohoo, I'm a believer. He calls me his friend. Da, 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 da. Well, well, let's go to the scriptures before we say that, right? And the scriptures say it right after saying, lay down your life for your friends. And then I'll call you my friend. This isn't works. This is a development of the love. Now, again, does he love us sacrificially from the moment we're believers? Yeah. But, but when he talks about his friends, that particular place, he's talking about when we've come to love others in such a sacrificial way that if it came to it, we would die for the brethren. Okay. Um, All right, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna start this this morning. I, you know, I, I, I'm gonna come back to this. It's really something that um, is is kind of the, the the final part of the masterpiece that he's painting, and it's in chapter 17. I would encourage you to read all of this, get the build up to chapter 17. Okay. There are themes that he develops in 13, 14, 15, 16. He's seen, he's returned to them again and again. Love being one major one. Holy Spirit being another one. 
But he completes it all, completes it all in chapter 17, because again, that's when he's now finished with his teaching to the disciples, right? About love, about obedience, about laying down one's life, about what the, how the Spirit is going to come and reveal all the truth to them. And he's done with all of that. And now he's spending a, a, a chapter, but period of time just with his father in prayer. And what he's going to do there is he's going to basically show what's really most important, what's really in his heart for us. So much so that the night before he dies, he comes to his father and says, here's what I want you to do because I've kept your commandments and I'm going to die for these people and I'm going to ask you because I know the father, the father, you can't resist anything I'm going to ask. And we're going to see what he asks. And that's going to tell us what's most important, isn't it? And what that is, you know, when you're dealing with a piece of art, I'm going to say now like a puzzle. You know, you get a box, and there's, a pu- there's like a thousand puzzle pieces in it. I know nobody does this anymore because you can probably find an app where you can just click things and move them and make, you know, all that. But in the old days, when you used to get a box, a real live box, and there'd be the pieces of the puzzle in it and you'd get to a certain point you're kind of doing it in a similar way that an artist would work right you get the borders because they're nice and straight but at a particular particular time you're like you know what i gotta look at the piece the picture on the puzzle cover don't i well in a certain way chapter 17 is that it's the completion of the masterpiece and by doing that we can see what's really important all right. All right, let's just go there. Let's just do this. Go to chapter 17 verse 20. This is what's really important. These are the things that above everything else he wants us to take away from this time he has spent teaching his disciples, teaching us. This is the this is the mountaintop as it were. This is the, 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 the final purpose of the whole picture that he's painting. Look at John chapter 17, verse 20. This is a great verse. Okay, I've been, remember I've been saying, by extension, all believers, by extension, all believers. Well, this verse makes that clear. Notice, John 17, 20. Father, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, those are the disciples that were with him on earth, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That's us. We have believed in Christ through the word that the disciples first had and, and wrote down. And, and over the centuries, this, this is as much as there have been people that have tried to distort and, and obliterate the gospel, it survived, has it not? And therefore, we right, have had the opportunity to hear that and believe it. So that's us. For those who believe in me through their word, what does he ask next? That they may go to church every Sunday. That they may wear the right clothing. That they may never drink alcohol. That they may judge other people. Because, man, those people need it. But what? Be one. Unity. Right? You know, uh, Paul in chapter 3 of the book of Colossians kind of puts those two together. He says love is the perfect bond of unity. Right? Right? Unity is so important. In chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, it starts out by the unity that has been forged by the Holy Spirit that we are to keep, right? I do not ask on behalf of these alone, 
but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. There aren't categories of believers, that they may all be one. That's Jesus praying to his father about that. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So what's most important? Unity. The family being united, if I could put it that way. The father and the son and all believers, the children. Verse 22. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. Okay? That they, that they may be one. There's a unity. Just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in what? Unity. It's coming, right? Can you, can you kind of see what's really important here to Jesus? On the, on the night he's going, before he's going to the cross, that they be, uni- they be perfected in unity. Now, how are we perfected in unity? By being perfected in that love that's growing and developing and is a relationship and gets deeper and more and more intimate so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you've loved me. Notice that he's now, he's now kind of coming around to saying, listen, if you're a believer, the Father has loved you even as the fathers love Jesus Christ. Verse 24. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am. That's heaven someday. So that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you love, there's love again, me before the foundation of the world. 25. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you. That's why they can't love. They don't even know. The world is the world of unbelievers. Yet I have loved, have known you, Father. And these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name, Father, known to them. And I will make it known through the power of the Holy Spirit and the written canon of Scripture. So that what? Why is he making this known? So So that certain theologians can tell everybody how much they know on Sunday morning? Why has he made all this known and will make it known? So that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. That's the purpose of teaching, by the way. Teaching the word of God ultimately is to meet, is to meet that. Right? That's what Paul, by the way, says that in first, I think it's first, first Timothy where he talks about Timothy, he says, look, I'm, I want you to teach all these things, but the objective, the outcome, the thing we're looking for in all this is love. Right? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that you have preserved your word. We thank you so much that the writers of the Gospels, particularly John, did their work being inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and writing down what it is that they witnessed and what it is that the Holy Spirit opened their eyes of their heart to. We thank you for this treasure of the Gospel of John and the particular treasure of chapters 13 through 17 and the amazing privilege you've given us to even have it opened up to us, the very prayer that your son prayed to you right before he was going to die in obedience to you for the sins of the world. So Father, help us to keep the priorities that you keep. Yes, that we are 
obedient to your word. And yes, that that's a matter of, of love and that you want to see us perfected in that love. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Bible study on Thursday. You know, as I was uh, working this out yesterday, I thought to myself, self, this would be a, a great subject to tackle on Thursday evening. I mean, you could see how it was sort of interactive today, right? Because there's certain subjects like this one, that we really interact with, that, we, that get developed. And so we don't want to make errors that can be so easily made by coming in with a certain point of view. Anyway, I think this would be a great subject for Thursday evening Bible study. I'm not saying that's what we're going to do on Thursday, but I'm not saying it's not. All right. Let's close in prayer again. Father, thank you once again. Thank you for everything that's going on with us in this congregation. Help us as we deepen in love for you and one another to step out some more and to be willing to lay down our lives more for one another and for the world of unbelievers that they may hear the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.